0: This week's show is a shorter-than-usual episode. We'll be learning all about Zulu bird names, as well as the good, the bad, and the ugly of gouting birding. This is the Birding Life Podcast. Keep birds looking great and full of life this winter with Westerman's new wild bird winter mix. Wild birds need a good source of fat and energy to survive the cold winter months. This winter mix has been especially created to provide them with a source of nutrition and energy when natural food sources are scarce. Available at various pet and lifestyle retailers across South Africa, online and in-store. Westman's, for the love of birds. My name is Adam, and this podcast is your weekly fix of all things birding. Birding news, getting to know birders, conservation, gear, books, and anything That we think birders will love hearing about. We just want to give a shout out to Bronwyn Woodward for reaching out to us all the way from Melbourne, Australia. She listens to the podcast and enjoys learning all about South African birds. Thanks so much for your support, Bronwyn. One of the easiest ways that you can help us to grow the show is to tell someone else about the podcast. We'd love to get to know our listeners. So please send us a direct message on either Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or drop us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. And let us know where you listen to the show from. We would really love to hear from you. This week's guest is my good friend, Setembiso Blessing Majoka, And we chat all about our recent Houteng birding trip, sharing both our highlights as well as our lowlights. We then chat all about the fascinating topic of Zulu bird names. So let's get into this week's show. So Blessing, I want to welcome you back to the Birding Life podcast. This is the first of two appearances that you're going to have on this season so welcome to the show
1: thank you very much Adam it's nice to be back on the show again
0: so we've just come back from a trip up to Gauteng how good was that trip I mean Zachel's Drift Kahoma Choma Marival Seikebos Rant I mean these are some of the best places in Gauteng to go birding how good was that I mean it's your first time you've done that kind of intensive Gauteng birding
1: oh wow it was nice Um, I really enjoyed myself there I so wish we were still there even now, you know, because I'm sure there is a lot that we did not see when we were there because of the time constraint.
0: Yeah, and it definitely goes back to that idea again. Um, we had Yandre Fastad taking us around, and, you know, I've said this so many times, you know, if you're going to go to a place, if possible, connect with a local. And it was really great having him taking us around. I mean, I think there were, if we'd be honest, the Friday was average, not bad. But as soon as we got out on the Saturday and we had Yandre showing us and pointing out spots, the birding just picked up and it was absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, you know, um, there is a post that I did on Facebook and I was saying, you know, I'm so amazed how we made it so easy. I mean, to find the specials up there and yeah, no, his services, you know, are up there, you know, I've got, you know, so much uh, respect for him. You know, he helped us a lot in finding those specials.
0: I think the one thing that we were very disappointed about in Gauteng is, you know, I always had this dream of going to Boss Runt. You know, it was one of the places when I had Melissa Whitecross on the podcast. She said that it's, a, it's one of her favorite spots to bird. And we really were excited to go and visit the, the reserve. And I think, firstly, it is a fantastic place to visit as a birder. Great grasslands and just a word of warning, if you're going to start the drive around, um, 66 odd kilometers and there's no U-turn. So you once you start it, uh, it's like Hotel California once you, and you don't get out. But I think the thing that we were both really sad about was the condition of the facilities. And I don't know if you want to just comment on that. I mean, you, you were the one to comment how sad you were that this great destination is so torn down and dilapidated.
1: Yeah, no, it was very disappointing. I mean, you would think a nature reserve like Saker Boss Rant Nature Reserve, you would think that they would be, you know, up in their game, you know, because, I mean, it's a popular reserve. You can see that it's got a potential, you know, of seeing, you know, beautiful or very nice uh, birds. But you get the buildings are dilapidated and you can see that there has not been... Uh, maintenance that has been happening. And it's, it's, it's very disappointing because, I mean, it's supposed to be offering accommodation for people who want to use uh, the, the reserve or to, to spend time in the reserve, but uh, it's not the case, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and the sad thing was, I don't have the article with me right now, but I think it was we twenty twenty one. There was apparently there was like thirty one million rand that they said had been used for upgrades. And if you go look at the reserve, I don't know how they can say there's thirty one million rand. I don't want to say too much, but if that is if thirty one million rand's worth of work, I want to know who's doing the books because it definitely don't look that good.
1: No, the the will be big question, you know why how. Did they spend that uh, 31 million? Because, I mean, there's a museum there. You know, you can see that it's 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 finished. It's, it's finished. And uh, there's accommodation at the back there by that open space, which is like a picnic site. Again, you can see the ruins there. So, honestly, it's a big question. Where did they spend the money? Because the only thing that I can comment about that I think was not bad was the road that is teared there, I mean, running into the reserve. Otherwise... Everything else is in ruins.
0: Yeah, and uh, Tyron Dole did an article a while ago by one of the, the reserves it in KZN, and he he noted something interesting. And he said that what he's noted is that it's the private reserves that seem to have, that are looked after the best. And when we talk about private reserves, I'm not talking here about your magnonies or your and MBTs, those are obviously in pristine condition because there's the international market. But I'm talking about where the private sector is looking after it. And there's some really great reserves up in Kloof, I can't, uh, I, which I can't think of names right now, but where the the communities are taking over looking after those. And and you know the one thing I was thinking about was, and I chatted to you about this, I wondered if possibly that one of the solutions for Sacoboss Runt would be to keep the reserve open to the public as it is right now. Charge what you're charging. So the Gautin government's still making the money from the 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 money coming in they can look after the reserve, pay salaries and people aren't going to be laid off. But possibly look at Outsourcing the accommodation, maybe over to private entities, and I think that might be a solution. You know, so the, your general public still have access to the reserve like like normal, but you know the accommodation might be better looked after. And I, and I understand that the challenge with that again is, as soon as it goes private, the prices go up, which means that it becomes inaccessible for a large portion of the of of the population. So that might might be a solution, but it's uh, you know I, I think whatever we. We chat about and whatever we were to propose yeah it's gonna be messy.
1: Yes you're quite right while you are talking about you know uh, that I'm thinking of mkhuzi uh, when I went to mkhuzi I got to their uh, uh, gate and I was like wow wow this looking so beautiful you this reserve have been kept nicely. Apparently, I found it out that it was, you know, the private company that did the entrance of the park. And also, if you get uh, or if you see, uh, there are heights. There are uh, world class standards.
0: Can I just put a pause there quickly? What's interesting is, and I stand to be corrected. I hope no one's going to message me and correct me, but the private company that looks after the hards and that is, it's actually it's community based. And that's exciting. So- okay,
1: I didn't know that, but you know, all ha- the only thing that I heard was that you know it was the private company that was looking after all that had built the entrance and uh, the, the heights. I mean, they can do the same thing at Secular Boss Run, you know. If you can't run something, give it to people who can manage it uh, properly. And it's easy as that. And in a way, it's going to offer you some money because when you get more people that come to use the accommodation, I mean, they will be paying the entrance fee at the gate. You might get people who are who are not even interested in birds, you know, who will just come there to have fun uh, on a holiday, you know, within the resort. Have it's money that
0: you will get, you know, for entrance fees. But I think the main thing is, which again and again, and what I have noticed is that Seikobos Runt is an indicator of what we're seeing in a lot of our nature reserves in our in our country and we know in, in KwaZulu Natal it's very common a lot of our reserves are dilapidated in a very poor state unsafe to go to i mean there's reserves you don't go to because you know if you go to that reserve you can be mugged and it's sad because we were chatting about this the conversation that that i, I think we had when we were up in Johannesburg was the challenges is when you're driving to Sikabos ranch you go past the worst of the worst poverty, you go past settlements, informal settlements, where people have got nothing. And I mean, the rubbish is going down and falling down the banks. And, then. and one of the reasons that is, there's no, there's no rubbish collection. And we're dealing with this situation. And then you're dealing with Seikobos Runt, which is very much for for pleasure. And it's quite like, again, I said, it's, it's always a messy thing. Because as soon as we talk about, well, maybe we should be putting money into Seikobos Runt, then people will say, well, what about the informal settlements down the road and it's always the challenge i can imagine in in south africa you know it's it's always a challenge when you speak about conservation because when people are going hungry and then you're saying well we need to be putting money there some people say well are are the priorities in the right place
1: yes it's a question Twenty Two situation because i can come up say you know what if you're going to make these uh, places up and running i mean it's employment creation I mean, the very same people that live around this reserve will be able to get an income and be able to sustain themselves. So it's one of those things. You have to balance the two. I I strongly believe that, you know, people around these reserves can benefit, you know, monetarily, you know, uh, because of these reserves if they are managed properly. So, yeah, they will address other issues, you know. So yeah.
0: So we went on a bit of a rabbit trail before we started but it's, I, I think these are these are topics that need to be spoken about and I, and I really hope that as a platform that more and more we are going to start talking about these difficult conversations but the reason I've got reason we're going to chat to Blessing in this specific episode and like I said we'll be chatting to him in a future episode also is we're going to be talking about Zulu bird names and I've asked Blessing to choose his favorite three Zulu bird names and also to tell us why that name is so important. So a few, I think it was last year we did a chat around the Birds of KwaZulu-Natal and their Zulu names. This is a fantastic book. Adrian Kupman, Roger Porter, Nolene Turner. And I know some of the community guides were also involved. This is a really fantastic book. Get your hands on it. It is available on our online store. You know, we've had about a year to look at it. And, you know, over the last year, I know we had a bit of a interesting observation about the book when it first came out. And I don't want to really go back to that again. But I want to ask you the question, if we are looking to grow birding into a greater integrated demographic in our country where more people have access to birding. How important is it that bird names are in African languages?
1: Um, yeah, no, uh, it's very important, Adam, because once a person understands, you know, something in his own language, he relates to it. I mean... We grew up in rural areas and we know these birds, you know, by their seasonal names. So now it's important that if you want to get people involved or to make a huge contribution, they these bird names or these seasonal is this, is names are included, you know, in, in these books. So a person would look at the bird and see the name, even though he has moved, you know, from rural areas to urban areas. But he will be able to remember if, I mean, the name pops up. He'll be able to remember the bird.
0: It is one of the challenges I'm facing, and I don't really want to mention the names of books. But for me, one of the challenges is when new field guards come out and there's the English name, there's the Afrikaans name, but the ESU Zulu names which are available now aren't actually put in there. It's quite sad that, you know, we're still not including that in the, the newer field guides that are coming out.
1: Yeah, not... um, Not only that, Adam. Also, books that are are written in Isisulu. I mean, they're still not there. Very, very, very few books you will find that are written in Isisulu. So now we are depriving people the opportunity to learn in the language that they will understand. I mean, to read a book in Isisulu, if you're an Isisulu speaker. It, it it gives you that oomph. Uh, it gives you that courage, you know, to, to carry on reading because it's something that you understand. So, yeah, so it's not only about Isisulu names. It's only, it's also about, you know, books that are written in Isisulu as the language.
0: Here's an important question. You know, you are a, a black birder. So when you got birding in the rural communities, I know I come out to you quite often, birding in the rural communities. How do you, how do the the communities how do the community there view you as a burden and and even the even birding as a whole how do they what do you think the perception they have of birding is
1: you know at the moment they think that it's a white man's thing because uh I can say, you know, they are not involved. You know, they they don't understand what you're doing. They see this crazy black guy who's moving around with binoculars looking at birds because to them a bird is just a bird, you know. But, you know, we're still very short uh, in as far as education or bird life conservation um, uh, is concerned. So when they see you, they see... Just a crazy black man, you know, walking around with binoculars and camera taking photos of birds. You know, we still have a long way to go.
0: One of the ways that you can help us to keep putting out the content that we're releasing is by supporting our online shop. We sell optics, books, Westerman's products, and a whole lot more. Check out the shop on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. If you need any help with any of the products, please don't hesitate to email us on Info at thebirdinglife.com. Let's get back into this week's episode. Let's dig into your list. Let's start with bird number one. Tell us about the Zulu name. And I'm not going to try pronunciation, pronounce them. Maybe I will try, but I'm probably going to get them really wrong. Don't judge me, people. Um, I've been doing my best to learn as many of these these names as I can. It's been a really fascinating journey. So tell us about the first bird that is on your list. Uh,
1: I've got three birds on my list. I chose just simple birds. But before I go into each bird, I I, I must mention something very interesting is that these birds are either named because of their call or because of their habit. And some are just given a name which has no meaning at all. But I chose three. I hope this is going to be interesting. In a way, I think it's going to teach us Izizulu as a language. The first one is Isipikeleli. Isipikeleli is a brown-hooded kingfisher. The word Isipikeleli, it is derived from the word ukupikelela, which is to persevere. So in other words... Against all odds, you become patient and wait for something that you want to happen to happen. So this bird is called Isipigelili because of its habit. You would know the brown hooded kingfisher. He will just perch in one spot and wait for the opportunity where he will see an insect or food, and then he will fly catch that um, uh, insect and go back to the same patch again. So you would see now how the bird got the name. It's patience. It's it's being resilient and also um, persevere. Uh, until something happens.
0: I think straight away, you know, as I'm hearing there, the one thing is, is that the Zulu culture, there obviously, there's a connection. When I started birding, that a lot of the birds, I had no idea what they were. It's almost like, They've already got one foot into birding because they're already very aware of behaviour and you know bird call and all that type of thing. And I know when we went down into the valley the one day we were speaking about um, southern ground hornbill and you asked the questions and I think when you first said the guys I know then you you explained something and they were like oh no no they're down in the, they down in the valley there. It just shows that you know it's not like to get. Zulu is into birding. it's like there's a you got one foot in the door already if you know what I'm saying because of the connection between the name and how there's a really understanding of behavior and calls and all those kinds of things.
1: Yes, no that's it's very true. You will hear when we speak about uh, our next bird that you know birds taught them things or sometimes birds would remind them of things to be done. So it, it's 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 in a way, Uh, was helping in conservation because there was this communication and relationship between birds and the communities. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with you and say, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was not just names, but it names that meant something
0: to them. Yeah, so let's go to the next bird on your list.
1: Okay. My next bird is a very interesting one. Actually, I haven't had it uh, for now. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear the call since now it's becoming spring very soon. The next one is upesgomkono. In English, this is the red-chested cuckoo. Very soon, you'll be hearing a call from this bird because at the moment, uh, it's still on migration, but they are coming back very soon. Very interesting. The word is made of two words, which is pezu, which is above in English, and umkono, which is the upper arm. Interestingly, when it, I wish we were going to play the call of this bird so that uh, those who don't know the bird will be able to hear the call.
0: Let me try play a call. So okay. let's do this. Let's hope this comes up now. So let's try and do this, see if it does come up. This is one of the, you know, what's nice about this call is, is we just, as we, it's one of those birds, we don't really get in our area much. I know we've got one once. Yes. But as soon as you start going inland, it's one of those birds that you start to hear. Here's the call of the bird. This is from the Cecil app.
1: <laughs> yeah no it's very interesting actually i i i i have seen it uh i think more than twice uh, at amazon thirty fifth century so sometimes you do get it along the coast here yeah, even though it's not that common but what is interesting is that the Africans people say something else like bit may fro but we are saying pe's gom corn because what does that mean it says now it's time for the communities to take their hoes to go and plough the fields. So in other words, it's it's communicating this message. Hey, 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 it's spring. Now it's summer. Wake up. Go out there, plough. The, your fields, 31 get hungry. So as soon as you hear that, you know automatically, oh, okay, now the season has changed. So communication between the two, the communities, and the birds, and it's it's very interesting. It's very
0: interesting. The problem now is you're gonna get a whole lot of white husbands getting very nervous because as soon as the pit may froze, so I was calling the wives are gonna say, "Now get outside and start working." So this might cause chaos. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. I know. You know that is why I was I was very careful to to say it reminds women. I said you know it reminds the communities uh, because I don't want to be sounding like what did they put it now sexist.
0: Just just a quick one. Are you talking about that before you go to the third one? One of my favorite bird names, and a lot of people like it, is the the name for the green wood hoopoo. Tell us that name and what that means, just short quickly.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The redhead. Uh, the red... Uh, what, what is it? Green Wood Hoopie. Green Wood hoopoe, sorry. I almost said the old name. It's it, In Zulu in, in it's called the Inlega Bafazi. Uh, I was thinking about it, you know, during the day before I came, you know, for this recording. It's, you know... <sighs> especially women, spend their time together collecting wood in the fields. So what they will do, they will be talking about their husbands, you know, how my husband is looking after me, and they will be laughing. And this bird is called after that laughter of those women. It's called Fazi. You know, the way they laughed when they are out there in the, in the bush or in the forest collecting wood, the name of the bird came after that.
0: Yeah, such a cool name. It's one of it's one of my favourite names, and it's 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 actually like one of the, it's. I've always said those birds got so much character. You know, when you see them moving up in the trees. They they just bring joy to you. It's one of those birds. They they're such cool birds. It's one of my favourite favourite species. And you know, before we go to the third one, you know, what's exciting about being in KZN right now is it's just the you know you can start seeing the the migrants coming in. You know, the lesser striped swallow coming in. A few weeks ago, we were at um, Mondi, and I think we saw our first one. And then somewhere we were birding, and we saw our first one. And then now now they're like calling, you go outside your your room you, uh, and you, they're just pulling the scars and it's it's absolutely fantastic. But mm. yeah, let's go on to your third and last species you're going to tell us about.
1: This is an interesting one because we've spoken about it, which is the blue crane, our national symbol. It was very interesting, you know, uh, to, to learn about this bird because I know it's called Indwe. But uh, I've learned something very interesting that in the north they call it uzogwa, which is five cents. Do we still have got five cents?
0: I don't think we have five cents <laughs> What do you? What do you? You can't even buy a chappies <laughs> with five cents anymore.
1: Yeah, but you will see five cents has got the blue creme engraved on it, and uh, in a Zolo five cent piece, we call it uzogwa. So that is why now you find that in the note of case N, they call it. Uh, they call this bird Uzo. But for us in the south, we call it Indwe, because I know that in the Eastern Cape as well, they call it Indwe. So it's common for the people living in the south to use names that are used in the south of KZN and also in the Eastern Cape. But um, yeah, no, it was very interesting.
0: That's, that's the bird, it's the people that are on are north of the Utukala, that that is yes. the northern Yozil and yes. Yomozil and that kind of thing.
1: Actually, before the invention of this five-cent piece, they were also calling it Uzogwa. But because now they see it on this five-cent piece, then they changed to call it in Uzogwa. Even though they, I mean, before they've been calling it Indo as well. But now they are relating it to something that they see that they've got, uh, which is five-cent piece.
0: And it's, it's interesting how, you know, we've spoken about how birds have obviously you know got their names from or from their behavior and that but it's interesting like you were saying there how society or you know has also you know obviously affected and and one of the other ones which is one of my, another one which is a really really cool name was the southern yellow-billed hornbill which is its pseudonym is uzazu
1: uzazu which yes. is from the
0: lion king yes and
1: yes. that's amazing yeah. how
0: like you know all these all these different it's like you know, the Zulu bird names is almost, it's like a pot with culture and behavior and calls and all this is put together in the pot and these names come and it's just, it's absolutely fascinating. So if you haven't got the book, Birds of KwaZulu-Natal and their Zulu Names, this is a great book to get. I know I've enjoyed it. Blessing's also really enjoying it. And it's a great book to get. So Blessing has been great to chat. I know later in the season, you'll be back again and we'll be talking about another fascinating topic. And if you enjoy this, just drop us a message and let us know and we will do more of these episodes. We've got some things in mind. But let us know if you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to, you know, see if we can do more of these, more of this kind of thing. Thank you
1: very much, Adam. Um, I would also like to mention that you know I've got so much respect for uh, people like Adrian Kopman, Roger Porter, Nolintena, uh, Sakamose, Temba, Junior, who, who've made this book uh, possible. Because you know, for me, this book is addressing the issue where you've got different names, which ends up confusing. It's like, you know, having common names, you know, where you get something else called something else in the north and something else called something else in the south. But now this book is addressing that, where it's standardizing the names of those birds instead of having one name for different swallows. Now you can be able to differentiate them. So yeah, pick up to them. They made a fantastic job. I'm so excited. I'm so happy about uh, the book. I think it's very
0: important. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have any comments about the show, please send us an email on info at thebirdinglife.com. Also visit our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. Until next week, be blessed and happy birding.